Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another interesting episode with the ISAC Sri Lanka podcast season three. I welcome all of you to the episode seven. We have come so far with so many. Um, we've done six episodes and today is the seventh episode. As you know, we've been covering different personalities from different areas of life so far. And uh, today also we're going to dig into another interesting area of life for everybody who's into becoming journalists or every, anybody who's into media or into writing anything that you're into um we're going to get into detail as well now before we before i get into uh, introduce the guest today let me just um uh, tell you about the isac organizers the isac sri lanka podcast season 3 is brought to you by the production of the national showcasing team and the tagline of this season is definitely the creativity without constraints so we've been talking about creativity and how to think out of the box and uh, you know come up with something new and how all these great personalities we talked to have made their way up in the ladder. And um, let me remind you the channels you can watch the podcast on. You can watch or listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and also watch us on Facebook. With that reminder, and let me also introduce myself the MC. I mean, I've been there for a long time, so you must be knowing already. And my name is Ashim Sanivir Singer, the moderator. And my co-host is Kavish Kapirera, who also takes you along with the other shows. With that, we are now ready to dig into the episode 7 of the ISAC Sri Lanka podcast season 3. Now, today's episode, the theme is creative processes in contemporary writing. Now, to talk about this and much more, let me now introduce the guest we have today. She is none other than Royal Raymond. Now, let me tell a little bit about her. She is the editor-in-chief media at Rogue Global, we all know, and she's a journalist with experience in print, web, radio, and television. And also, we have seen her, and we know if you want any breaking news, we just have to go on Twitter and look for Royal Raymond. Hello to you, Royal. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. you for joining with us. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to a great conversation and good to have you today. Me too, me too. <laughs> so to get the conversation start, um, let me remind the ones who are watching us as well. We take the session, we take the podcast episode in three segments. That is, first of all, we have an icebreaker session to talk, you know, think out of the box question. And then we go into the details of the artists and the guests we have. Then we, of course, everybody loves the hot seat segment where it's fun and, um, you know, much of joy there. So to get started with the icebreaker segment, the question I have for Royal and to everyone who's watching us today is, if you could only read one book for the rest of your life, what would that be? Royal, what would that be? I mean, that's an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly tough question, right? Like, you wouldn't, <laughs> think so. you wouldn't think so when you heard the question, but coming, like, trying to decide on that one book would be really tough. Uh, I mean, <laughs> of course, uh, I, I'm getting, like, so many ideas at the moment, like, so many things. Yeah. Um, I think I would go with, okay, I can't give you a book, okay? Because it would be, I feel like it would be really unfair to type down to the a book. The rest of the books but you've I, read? <laughs> Yes, exactly, right? Um, I think I would go with something definitely sci-fi related because I'm a huge sci-fi fan um, okay. and also so sci-fi fantasy because then I can finish the book and then go off into my own world, right? After that, it's not going to be restricted to the book. Uh, so I think I would maybe pick a genre which would be sci-fi uh, so that I can live through that for the rest of my life. 
<laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. I think let's go ahead with that answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so to everyone who's watching us as well, please comment. You know, when this goes on air, you get the chance to comment on our chat boxes and comment sections. Please comment if you get the opportunity to read only one book for the rest of your life. What would that be? We would like to know what the book is. Um, now coming into you and your stories, Royal. How did you get into the world of words and writing? Let's just go into the humble beginning. Um, so I guess humble beginnings would be as a child. My mom was very, um, she was a big reader herself and she had a, like a library at home. Mm -hmm. And I do remember that I didn't want to read. And I, had a, mm -hmm. I have a very vivid memory of her putting me on this, we have this high stool. And she got me to read a short story and I wept, I wept. I was like, I did not want to read that, that little, little story. Um, but I think I may have been very young, I was quite young. Um, read through it, I remember stumbling over the words and all of that, but that was it. Like I was hooked afterwards. And even at school, I mean, I was not very uh, academic because I studied in a single medium and we spoke English at home and there was a lot, I mean, I'm half burger. Um, so there was, I found it hard to keep up with school, mm -hmm. um, but I was an athlete. I was very, very seriously involved with sports. Yeah. Um, and anyone who knows me from school knows me through that identity as an athlete. But the only thing that sort of competed with athletics was my reading because I read very, very seriously and I read everything in the house. I read anything I could pick up. Pick up. Um, my brother and sister went to an international school, so I read their textbooks and I'm pretty sure that's how I passed my Oliver because all of us was in Sinhala, but I managed to I managed to give the answers in some kind of broken Sinhala, but with the English sort of interspersed there. I think I'm hoping like the, the people who marked it knew like she knows, but she doesn't know the language. Uh, of okay. course, I picked up on the language much later. Um, mm -hmm. But books have been my saving grace. I mean, I read, 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 and that is basically how my love for writing, uh, for reading came up, came about. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to writing, my aunt is a literature teacher, actually. And I remember when I was very young, I was telling her, you know, how I had all these thoughts and they were like a stream going past me and I couldn't capture them. Uh, mm -hmm. And she said, oh, that's very interesting. You should take her, you know, you should get a book and start writing these things. Mm -hmm. um, so I started keeping diaries. And of course, like when you look back now as at my age, when I look back, I, I see how those diaries are just so full of, uh, you know, like where you see how closed your world is, how narrow your issues are yeah. at that point. You know, how, how, how into your head you are about feelings and thoughts. Uh, so that's been yeah. a progression, you know, like uh, from writing mm -hmm. from that point to how I write now. I don't keep diaries say anymore, but um, I do have like some sort of online thing that I keep every year. I do, I do maintain some form of diary, but not, not the way I used to. So that's okay. where it started. <laughs> so, so are you a person who had been journaling in like, you know, daily journaling um, for a while in your life? Yes. I mean, if someone were to hack into my Google Drive and I'm really, really hoping no one would, uh, <laughs> there'll be like every year I have a, <laughs> yeah, every year I have a, a document that I use as my diary. Uh, and, oh. uh, you know, there'll be some months I don't write. Uh, there'll be some months I write. Uh, yeah. But yes, as a, as a habit and a practice, I've always written. And I, I also endorse that. I think it for a writer, it really helps you clarify your thoughts and your words yeah. also. It surely does, surely does. Now, this reminds me, um, when I was small also, I, you know, when those days people say, you know, start writing daily and that'll help you. And I used to maintain my own, like, daily diary. And uh, 
you know like a dear diary sort of a sweet girl thing <laughs> but you know as the time passed yes. by when you just meet those when you just see open those and read yes. you're like no <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, yes. I remember actually the early stages of blogging in Sri Lanka. I don't think people blog anymore because it's moved yeah, on to like yeah. micro blogging sites, right? So the early stages of blogging also there was a challenge called blog blog a day or blog blog post a day or something. Uh, okay. And the challenge was to write something even if it's very small, but to make it public because the the the, the it's one thing to write for yourself; it's another thing yeah. to write <laughs> stuff out there. And sometimes, like if I still go and look at my old blogs, like it's pretty embarrassing. Some things I've written about, you know, I write about a zit, <laughs> I'd write about, you know, like the most random things. But uh, it's a good practice, I have to say. It's a good yeah. practice. I think that's how we all evolve, right? We look back and we just, you know, it's embarrassing for ourselves. But then you realize, okay, you've grown up. The way you handle things, are, you know, it's different. Yeah. And I think when you write, it makes you. you know improve your writing plus makes you put your thoughts in line as well correct <laughs> 100% yeah now um, i would like to fast forward the years into your professional career now you're the editor in chief of roe um how has the journey been in the professional career and how, like what inspired you to keep on being in the writing and the journalism industry I think when it comes to media, uh, I see this wasn't a choice to be honest. Like I didn't okay. <laughs> plan to get into media. It was never a choice to get into media. Um, I very seriously. I mean, looking at me now, it might seem like a joke, but I very seriously wanted to run for the Olympics. That was like my main goal and dream at like seventeen, eighteen, and I even yeah. took part in like the soft trials. And I was very, very serious about athletics. Um, okay. So I had never seen a world out of sports, and my yeah. goal was to like go to New Zealand, get a sports scholarship. Uh, it was just very sports related. Um, but mm-hmm. my brother-in-law, um, Chandra Shankar, actually, he passed away recently. Um, so I have to thank him for this in some kind of uh, roundabout way, uh, because Shan was hosting a show on I think it was MTV and Sirius at that point, uh, a sports okay. type thing. and as a 14 year old i just joined him there like sometimes right and i used to pretend to help him uh, though i didn't really understand so he would segmentize the show and you know 15 15 second break for this 30 second break for that and i would not understand what he was talking about but um i used to just hang around and i think that mm-hmm. into that world that i what i really what really 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 attracted me to that world was the 24/7 nature and that is basically what i still love about journalism is that it really doesn't end it's not a job that ends it just yeah. continues and continues you walk into whether it's a radio station a television station or a, a, a newspaper it's on right through the night mm-hmm. it's alive and I, there's something about it that really really i i was drawn to it so and i think i'm like sort of surrounded maybe by people who are in media like like shan um so i started as a news reader actually oh, <laughs> uh, which is, you know yeah yeah which is on the that end of the spectrum i started as a news reader and then got into daily mirror and all of that mm-hmm. um i tried leaving journalism several times because i think any journalist knows that you're not paid very well in journalism oh yeah um, so, so. <laughs> let's talk about it of the live session exactly uh so many times i thought what am i doing you know like with, with like you know getting paid like this peanuts Uh, so I left. I left many times. Joined, got into advertising. Sometimes I balanced both, but I kept uh, ending back in journalism because journalism, I think, 
uh, and I've said this before, something that really resonates with me is the truth-telling part of journalism. And for me, advertising was marketing, it's selling, it's, there's an element of lying, I yeah. feel. Uh, I hope advertisers don't get, uh, people in advertising don't get angry with me, but <laughs> you're selling something that somebody doesn't really need, you know, like I, I just couldn't uh, align myself with that. Uh, whereas with journalism, I felt that you were telling the truth. You were trying to get people to, you know, know what's what's happening out there and stuff like. That. Yeah. So I just kept revert, like, just kept getting back and getting back and getting back into this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I did actually do some creative writing as well. So I, 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 I was part of there was a um, Indian magazine, Indian initiative called Pix. They came to Australia right. and worked with, yeah, photographers and and writers. Uh, so I um, was part of a poem of mine was published there. Then there was. Anasi and Kadalagutu, I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, my friend Imad Majid had a, it was like a literary festival that ran for a couple of years called Anasi and Kadalagutu. Oh, okay. Uh, Captain to recall Yeah, so they, they published a chapbook and I uh, wrote a piece for that. And also women and media had something and I did write a short story on uh, domestic abuse. Um, yeah. So I have dabbled with creative writing, uh, and if you, again, if you go into my Google Drive, you'll find lots of uh, ideas, story ideas that I'd like to get back into. Um, okay. But I just come back to journalism at the moment because I think I have maybe another ten—I uh, don't know, like ten, fifteen years even yeah. in this industry. Maybe later I can think about getting into creative writing. Uh, but yeah. this is very much a part of who I am. Yeah, and I'm very introverted, so writing has been really? my way of. <laughs> Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but I'm very, very introverted. Like, uh, you know, my friends can't get me out of the house very easily. Uh, so writing has been my way of like really getting deep into what I'm thinking. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I think um, in the industry of media, you really can't sustain if you don't have the passion. Right. Yes. So the passion keeps you driving. Um, just like you said, a lot of people think when we're in media and when your face is up there or when you're just up there in the media industry or oh, she's doing so well. You know, um, she's learning yeah. well to all of that, but yeah. we know the other, <laughs> the other side of it. Exactly, um, exactly. And how much you to hustle? Yeah, yeah, the hustling is crazy, right? Uh, it's, it's just crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, you being a senior, you would have gone through so many ups and downs, and I think we are just in the middle struggling yes. still. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I mean, I, if I could say something, I'd say that I'm happy I've come to a place now where I'm uh, a lot more settled and everything is better. But yeah, for many years, many, many, over a decade, I hustled to, to get to where yeah, I'm I am sure right for someone now. like me, I'm still getting there. So probably yeah. I'll follow the hanging footsteps there, of hanging the there, there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, with that, um, I would like to ask now, when it comes to your job and your role at Row, what do you enjoy most about the job? Um, so I have a varied, a very varied role at Row. I mean, I'm so obviously as editor in chief, I oversee editorial strategy and yeah. uh, you know the actual editorial content and stuff, and everything that goes out passes through me mm -hmm. before it goes out. Besides mm -hmm. that, I'm also you know I do uh, there are events that we do, and I sort of front face those things, and uh, mm -hmm. that, there's a lot. And the beauty of it is that I've been at Row for now four years. Row itself is only about seven years old. And yeah. even when I, my first interaction with Ro was at the beginning, when they started seven years ago. So I did go in for like sort of an informal interview, decided at that point that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an organization yet. So I chose to go to Lake House instead of stay at Ro, uh, and then oh. came back there. 
So mm-hmm. I think with Raw, what I love is the fact that I have been given so much freedom to sort of run with anything I want. So I can go to my boss, uh, Mustafa, who's my CEO, and my um, and Abdul, who's my CEO, and I can tell them, listen, I think this is what we should be doing, or this is a strategy we should be employing, or this is like a long-term six-month plan I have for this, or for that. I love that editorial. So yeah. strategy is really something that I really enjoy. Uh, also, I have to say editing itself when it comes to editing, I, there's something about editing that I keep telling people. It's like it's like uh, performing an operation for me. I just feel like I'm getting my arms deep into somebody's writing and then pulling out bits and uh, bringing yeah. in other bits and making it a story. That's something that really I enjoy. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I would like to ask you, uh, what is the most creative headline that you have ever written or read and what exactly made it stand out for you uh, okay headlines is something okay so i have written many many headlines in my time uh, yeah. and i still oversee headlines so i don't know if i can select one per se um, but i have to say that i have sort of a pension for alliteration so i tend to write headlines that sort of rhyme slightly or yeah. a little you know a little not funny but just sort of have a slight other meaning to it yeah um, but and also like i mean i maybe they're considered cliches so that the, the the trick with headlines and i have to say this is not like i you know it's not like i had a, a talent for headlines as I as I joined the industry it took me a while also to, to hone that skill uh, yeah. is to be as direct as possible you know be direct and be as creative as possible so I think things like I remember writing down these headlines and keeping them for later when I was at Lake House we had uh, floods and stuff almost every year there's a flood so I would uh, a headline I would use at a time like that would be come hell or high water you know like I, I oh. it's, it's a phrase but it's also something that can be used uh, as yeah. a headline. So I do sometimes jot these down and keep them separately for a time that I may have to use it later. Yeah. Uh, but something like that, yeah. So um, I would like to get an explanation a little more on somebody now. I'm sure writers and everybody who's interested and all your fans must be watching, will watch this episode when it goes on air. Um, can you break a little down on how do you really come up with a headline? Now you said you usually your eye goes to with alterations and like catchy ones. So if you advise somebody when it comes to headlines, I think this is a question a lot of writers struggle as well sometimes. No, 100%. And I think that's something uh, something that uh, you can sort of blame it on our newspaper industry because mm-hmm. I've been in the traditional newspaper industry. And what happens is the writer writes and then you give it into the, the sub-editors, right? So the sub-editors yeah. are tasked with, uh, it's the sub-editors who do the headlines. The writer herself or himself never really develops that skill of writing their own headlines because it's not asked of them. Yeah, it's not asked of them. They just hand it over to the sub-editors. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Raw, the differences, and uh, that's something that I really appreciated. So from sub-edit, sub-editing, from the headlines to uh, mm-hmm. hashtags to metadata, everything is in the hands of the writer itself. Um, for me, before I got to row, actually, I was a sub-editor at Lake House for maybe like six months. Um, okay. And that's where I kind of learned my skills in editing. And I have to say, when I started off, I was uh, not very good at the headlines. Uh, so because I guess you take on the pressure, you hold that pressure is there and all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, my advice would be, be quick in the sense, don't mull over it, don't overthink it. When you're reading the article and you're writing, when you're editing the article, 
something formulates inside you, something will tell you what this article is about. And that is your headline. The essence of what the article is about is your headline. A lot of people also write very misleading headlines. I mean, misleading headlines is an entirely different conversation, clickbaits and all of that. But yeah, if yeah. the editor is not able to understand the essence of the article, they will write a headline that really has very little to do with the article itself. And I'll find mm -hmm. a lot of young writers also will, if I ask them, write your headline. Even they sometimes are not really sure about what they're writing about if they were made to sum it up. So yeah. that is your key. What is the essence of your article? And that is your headline. Interesting ones again. Um, with that, now this is something, you know, when it comes to headlines or writing, thinking out of the box is something that's needed, right? Um, according to you, what does thinking outside a box means? And um, how do you really this phrase in your work and the industry um so thinking out of the box okay so journalism itself i have to say in my experience of uh, what over a decade doesn't really uh, i wouldn't say it doesn't encourage you to but really there's no space for thinking out of the box right uh, it's very direct it's very uh, reportage based something happens you can report it in fact if you think out of the box that might be exaggeration and that might be uh, like just adding to the story but that's at a reporter level uh, at a at a management level you really do need, need to think out of the box because you need to think strategies for keeping your business alive yeah. and that's the level that i have got into now where i'm not just thinking in terms of content i'm also thinking in terms of business strategy mm -hmm. so uh, for me personally i have to say and this is something i know I tell a lot of young journalists who work with me. I did work in advertising while I was while I was a journalist, right, to supplement basically my income. Yeah. Uh, and I hated advertising. I genuinely hate advertising the industry. I don't like. I just do not like the the, the industry at all, right? Uh, and I remember when we are put in this brainstorming session. So like the client will come and they'll say, "This is what we want to sell." And we sit in this brainstorming session. I used to get really frustrated because nobody settles on an idea. Uh, so you come up with an idea and then like the creative director will say, no, no, let's think a little bit more on that. And then they'll yeah, think yeah. And yeah, okay. And I'm a journalist, man. Like, okay, in my essence, I'm a journalist. I, I remember sitting at this meeting once, there's a glass table in the middle and mentally, I wanted to smash that table. <laughs> I was so frustrated by the fact that people were going round and round and round in circles, right? And my yeah. thing is, give me the topic I will write don't tell me to waste my brain space on this yeah but I have to say that having been through that like having been forced to do that really really helped me uh, especially like I did a lot of copywriting when I was there I mean I hated the creative mm -hmm. part but uh, I did copywriting so copywriting is uh, so with advertising you're given a sentence um, a slogan it's not very many words and mm -hmm. I had to write one sentence maybe 10 times over to get the mm -hmm. exact thing that my uh, creative director yeah. wanted so yeah. that I think is what, it doesn't help journalists per se because journalism is the skill set. Uh, but if yeah. you're a writer, if you want to be a good writer, I would say write your sentences in 10 different ways till you find like the best way to say it. Uh, mm -hmm. And that really helped me with creativity. It helped me with getting better sentence across, being more economical with my words. Um, that training really, really helped. And that is a training I feel that a lot of uh, writers and journalists lack. Most people just write as you feel. And yes, that is one part of being a writer initially to write what you feel, but then you yeah. have to really hone your skill and become a better writer. And that's where yeah. that part comes in. 
I think uh, when you when you say that, that uh, reminds me now. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I hate writing, to be honest. If somebody asks me to speak, I will do that because I'm a public speaker too. So in public speaking, what forced me to start writing is we have to write our speeches. And um, that, you know, that started training my mind. And I started training my mind, you know, somehow sit at least 10 minutes and then write a few sentences and then get up and, you know, focus on something. Um, because I'm very bad at writing. That's how I actually got myself, you know, trained to sit and focus and write. So um, just like you say, but, you know, the feeling of the, you get the feeling to write and you just write it, but that's not really the best cut. So when it comes to our speeches also, when we go to finals, usually the final level comes in like the fifth or sixth stage. At that time, it's the 16th or sometimes 20th rewrite of the initial speech. Correct. So, so that's, yeah. that's the writing. That's how it far it actually takes you. And I never knew it. And when you just yeah. said it, that re I recall the memory. Oh, I used to do this. Like, I, I think a lot of young... <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of young writers uh, sometimes uh, grapple with that, right? Like I find as an editor, like young writers send in articles, send in articles to us and they have ideas and they have passion. Uh, but yeah. sometimes the, of course, the first article they send us, send us is we have maybe three or four drafts to go before it's at publishing level. So we yeah. tell our writers beforehand, listen, you're going to have three editors working on this and it's going to take, it's going to shape you know it's going to shape itself up in a very different way by the time it gets out and some people are very grateful to the process but some people just do not want uh, you know it, it's very it, i guess they feel very fragile about the fact that my writing is going to be you know edited by and changed by other yeah. people so I, I would just i mean not that i meant to give advice but if i'm giving advice to someone i would say listen none of us come into this world brilliant writers right you may have a talent for writing it may be your way of uh, it may be your way of Communicating, but it doesn't really it takes a long while of skill honing before you become any kind of decent writer so yeah yeah i think it all comes down to you know having the passion plus having the right attitude am i right yes, so that will take yeah. you a long yeah. way um so according to you what makes a great writer and uh, what are the creative processes in contemporary writing that can make writer that can make a writer stand out well, I mean, the way I see it, you have to, and I, I want to be very careful with the word talent, because I think when people say you have to have a talent for writing, again, mm -hmm. people assume you have to be very, very good at it, or you have, you're, you know, in school, you're a little bit better than everybody else in your writing or whatever. So I want to be careful and say that it's, when I say talent for writing, it means what I'd like to say is, if writing is your preferred method of communication, let's put it that way, if writing yeah. is your jam, if writing is your vibe, then you yeah. have the talent, right? You don't have to put yourself on a scale of am I very talented or not talented. If writing is your jam, then that's step number one. Uh, and step number two, which a lot of people don't seem to know, especially young people, but when you're older, you understand this, but yeah. you, young people seem to assume that they, they, this ability to write means that they, you know, this tortured artist, this, uh, I have to deal with so many, I mean, anyway, they feel a lot of emotions in general, but like getting into situations that give me these experiences that I need to write about, like, uh, I think they complicate it quite a bit because actually what you need is discipline. And that is something a lot of writers don't have. And I'd say like, while I'm a pretty good, uh, pretty efficient writer when it comes to journalism and journalism articles, when it comes to creative writing, that's something that I still haven't gone as far as I want to with. Right. And I know when I sit and do that finally, when I'm done with my journalism career, I'm going to need discipline as well. 
Uh, and you'll find a lot of writers sit down, like they say, this time to this time, I want to sit down and I want to make sure I write this many words. So you yeah. have to just get, you know, discipline, training discipline. yourself, yeah. rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. Yeah, that's the main thing. So if you have some kind of like talent and that's your jam to tell stories and whatever, that's one aspect. And then just discipline and hone your skills. So again, I would go back to my athletics uh, sort of uh, life. That has helped me because I feel that that's the training, you know, like you keep training, yeah. training, training. Yeah. I think uh, sportsmanship anyway gives you that, uh, you know, right, you know, it shows you whatever the path you're in, it, it just takes you along and you, no matter what you know, you have to keep, you know, hustling or, you know, like yes. you just told me, you know, hang in there. That is an attitude yes. that comes, I think, automatically comes from school days, sports. Um, exactly, and 100%. And I think because you're so young when you play sport, it's not like you could think and uh, think about it and quit, right? It's already yeah. in your system right? to keep trying yeah. and not to give up. And you carry that with you when you go into your adulthood as well. Yeah, I think that's why we keep saying to all the parents who are out there, we keep saying, you know, put your kids into whatever sport they like, not just for the sake of parents' competition, but... Uh, yeah you know, let them do whatever they want to do and yeah. they'll figure out the sport they're good at, right? I think that's what happened happened when we were young exactly. and what yeah. our parents. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't have to be the traditional sports like, you know, rugby or athletics or whatever, even things like chess, uh, anything that's competitive because yeah. competition is important. I know people say competition is not important, but competition is A, what hones your skill, B, what keeps you going. If you don't have that motivation to like get better and better, even if it's to beat someone else, uh, that you're not going to you need that that's why even in even back when I was running I used to be put with much better runners to that the only thing that will push you to do a little better is when you're running yeah. with someone senior or running with someone like who's much better than you so you need that sort of competition I think why people say um it, it's just two parts I guess Royal when people say competition is not so good it's the competition where people don't really know the spirit of competition um, because correct, I don't correct. think the people yeah. who have done sports and who have been in the competition field, we don't come out and fuss about competition. That we don't want to kill each other. It's all about you know giving our best. And and at the end, yes, it's for the ones who know competition spirit, it's not about the trophy, right? Yes, hundred percent. Because yeah, so the race is the training is with yourself. The race is on yeah. the ground. As soon as you finish, you shake your hand, shake hands with the competitor, exactly. and it's yeah. done there right like you don't carry that like with you and I think that's something that's missing you're right like people take that competition to another level you know they can get bitter and angry uh, <laughs> I think conversation has been really great we not only spoke about uh, Royal being a media personality or a journalist we also touched upon the sportsmanship which is uh, which made which added extra color to the conversation with that we have um, come to the end of the second segment and we are now ready to go into our hot seat segment. Royal, are you ready? <laughs> I'm going to uh, become ready. <laughs> right, okay. So I will um, direct quick questions to you where I expect quick answers as well. <laughs> okay, so the first question I have for you is when you were a child, what was your biggest dream? Um, okay, so like I said, when I was 17, I definitely wanted to run in the Olympics. That was my 100% dream. But when I was much younger, uh, I had, you know, many, many things. I, I mean, I wanted to be a backhoe operator. I wanted, like, whatever I saw that I thought was interesting, I wanted to do that. But I would say the main thing was that I wanted to run for the Olympics, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
So if you could take three things to a desert island, what would that be, a desert island? What would those three uh, things be? Yeah, so definitely my phone and my laptop, number one. Uh, That's I'm true. actually not very, yeah, I'm not very <laughs> fond of my phone, but I need them both, so phone and laptop. And I would say third would be a person that I get along with, you know, like somebody I could uh, just have decent company with who let me work in peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the desert, you want to work? <laughs> yeah. The only thing that keeps me going, Ashi, what can I do? <laughs> I expected you to say a bottle of water at least. <laughs> <laughs> I think internet, that's the main thing. <laughs> internet, yeah. I just imagine, I just imagine you going to a desert. Yeah. <laughs> trying uh, to please, please, please select an island with Wi-Fi. That's my main request. And then I want my laptop and my phone uh, and somebody for company. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you were in grade five, what did you want to be when you grow up? I think that comes to the same answer or if it's different? Uh, I mean, grade five was before I actually got very seriously into athletics. So um, I think I had um, very different dreams at that point. I'm not sure how politically correct these dreams are, and I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to debate the uh, how ethical or non-ethical it is. Yeah. Uh, but at a at a young age, <laughs> at a young age, I played a lot with like, uh, you know, bows and arrows, and it was a lot about Red Indians, and we played on the street, you know, like climb trees okay. and stuff. But it was not gaming or anything like that. Um, and gun sets, I gun sets. Yes, I mean, basically, I wanted to join the army. That was my main. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I wanted I wanted to carry a gun, and I think it must have something to do with power I don't know yeah. but uh, I genuinely wanted to join the army at a young age yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Interesting. yeah. okay do you prefer yeah. to dress smart or casual uh, definitely dress smart now uh, I have to say in my early early stages I was a barter slippers and jeans and t-shirt girl um, <laughs> but I have now evolved uh, and I really enjoy fashion now and I really like buying clothes and dressing up yeah dressing well yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we also know you as a fashion icon as well, who is very particular about uh, attire. Definitely <laughs> now. Uh, okay, would you rather be funny or clever? One answer. <laughs> um, 100% clever. I'm going to go with clever uh, because clever is better for survival, I think. Funny, I mean, I can entertain people, but how is that going to help me survive? Uh, yeah, if I'm clever, <laughs> Yes, uh, so clever would be useful. Describe yourself in one word, just one word. Mm. Um, hmm. uh, right, uh, I would say, I would like to say something nice, like strong, uh, or, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but there are ups and downs in those things as well. I think, I think the best word to describe me and somebody, people who know me very well only know this is that I'm very introverted. Um, so by nature, I'm very introverted. Uh, it um, maybe two person. It's almost like I have two personalities. Who I am is very introverted, and then I have a more public personality that I've learned to, you know, uh, do my job. But me myself, I'm very introverted. Yeah. I think uh, that's something also people don't notice. Where a lot of media personalities, they they have to maintain two personalities. I don't know. Correct me if I'm yes. wrong. Uh, mm, because. Yeah. You know, when you go out in the camera, you're somebody and uh, when you come home, you are totally an introvert. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and even publicly, right? Like in the early stages when I stepped out, sometimes people would come and speak to me. And I'm, I won't say not polite, it's just that I didn't know how to, uh, I would get very like, uh, what am I supposed to say now kind of thing, right? And then I just get scolded by my family. It'd be like, can you be a little decent like about this? Like ask them some questions about who they are and what they're doing without being like, you wanting to run back home. So I've had to develop that personality that's a little more friendly and stuff. And not that I'm not friendly, obviously, but I'm very yeah. introverted, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So anyone who's just saying this, if anyone bumps into me in public and you think that uh, I'm unfriendly, please remember it's not that I'm unfriendly, I'm just very introverted. <laughs> very shy. I, I could also relate to some part of what you say because there are days, I'm very much of a people's person. I would um, not use the definition of introvert for me, whereas I'm also an, I'm most of the, most of the time I'm an extrovert. But, uh, you know, there are days and episodes of life where I am a very big introvert. Because um, people yeah. think, you're, you know, I'm a people's person. Now, okay, she's, she's always out with the cameras or whatever. She's a people's person. But no, yeah. when I, you know, there are moments, you just want to shut all doors, please. Like, don't even call me kind of episodes. <laughs> yeah. Because that's kind of how you gain energy, right? Like, I feel like a lot of our job is giving out energy. All right, Roy, we are coming to the last two questions of the hot seat segment. The next one I have for you is, are you a dog person or a cat person? Uh, I mean, it's like this, right? I thought I was a dog person my entire life, but I've only had a pet once in my life when I was maybe 17, 18. Um, and besides that, I, I, I don't touch dogs or cats, not because I don't like them, but I get a bit itchy. Um, no. So in general, uh, so it's not a problem with the dog or the cat. It's just that the problem <laughs> with me, I have very itchy uh, skin. But that said, that said, just as the lockdown ended this time, I adopted two kittens and a cat. So this is my first experience with uh, cats and kittens, and I am now looking after them. So I would say both. Not I, mean, I like animals. Yeah, I just keep them at a distance generally, but uh, I like them. I like them. I do. Okay. That sounded like a relationship answer where, you know, the problem is not with them, but with me. Okay, the last question. Who is your favorite person to travel with? Favorite person to travel with? Okay, listen, uh, this may come as a surprise to you and it certainly comes as a surprise to a lot of people, but I don't travel much. Uh, I, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, I'm very difficult about going on trips. Uh, my family has tried, my friends try. Oh, okay. in fact, my, yeah. In fact, it's my friend's birthday next week, and he has been trying for like a month now to get me into this mode of "You're coming, right? You're coming, right?" And at this point, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm planning to," um, but I never do. I never end up going, <laughs> uh, even when I was abroad. Like, I just tend not to go. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I'm a very comfort zone person. Uh, I hate the idea of being uh, out of my comfort zone. Like in the sense. I need to be really comfortable, you know, and it has to be my vehicle. I stop whenever I want to stop. I can't have other people stopping and me sitting around. Like these are things yeah. that really, really hate me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you are difficult. <laughs> yes, I'm very difficult. So for that reason, I just don't travel a lot. So if I do travel, it'll be with someone who kind of knows my quirks uh, and is willing to willing to listen to me and, uh, you know, do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> interesting so with that we have actually come to the end of uh, today's episode episode seven with royal raymond and on a final note royal i would like to take a message from you to the ones who are watching 
A message from me to, I'm going to assume young people who are watching this, I would say kind of like I said with you a little earlier, that in retrospect, I mean, listen, the person you see today on screen is not the person who was there five years ago or who was who you'd see uh, 10 years ago when I started my career. You'd see a very unpolished girl wearing jeans and, uh, you know, I had my famous ripped jeans, which I still wear. Uh, jeans and barter slippers and uh, you know like for me to come to where I am in life right now it took uh, dedication commitment uh, working really really hard and a lot of focus and that's something that maybe people don't see um, because you know I had a social life and I had friends who went out a lot partied a lot that was a part of growing up and I would be the one who didn't go um, because I 100% believe that it's the extra work you put in. It's the night hours you spend at home reading up on the subject that you're interested in. It's the extra work you put in. For instance, if you're a presenter, you will practice before the mirror. And it's not a random practice. You will actually go over it 100 times. Um, so again, that goes back, I have to say, to my athletics training because I was a hurdler. And that's a very technical, uh, technical event. And I yeah. do remember training and doing that over and over again. Uh, so my thing is you don't have to be a sports person but think about technique think about doing it over and over again think about long-term commitment uh, work hard and of course take your breaks that's something that I, I, I didn't do I don't I've never utilized my annual leave uh, take breaks <laughs> uh, rest when you have to but uh, have the larger goal in mind and do your best yeah Amazing. I think that's uh, that's an amazing message that's coming out of you. And with that, we are now ready to wind up the episode seven, which had on creativity processes in contemporary writing. And we spoke a lot beyond the topic, which adds value to all of us with uh, Royal Raymond today. Thank you so much, Royal, for joining with us. And it was definitely my pleasure hosting you this um, on this episode today. Thank you so much for joining with us. Thanks, Ashi. It was really nice meeting you and I enjoyed this conversation and I wish you guys all the best going forward. I think this initiative is very, very great. So. And on behalf of ISAC also, I wish you and your career and everything that comes along in future all the very best. We hope to see you and I hope to see you soon again as well. Um, with that, for everyone who has been watching, thank you so much for joining with us. And this is the episode seven where we had the chat with Royal Raymond um, on the creativity processes in contemporary writing and Thank you for watching the ISAC Sri Lanka podcast season three, where we bring the tagline of creativity without constraint. And this is brought to you by the production of the National Showcase Scene Team. Um, and you can also watch, let me remind you the platforms that you can watch or listen to us on. You can watch or listen to us again on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and watch us on Facebook as well. With that, thank you so much for joining with us. We shall see you soon with our episode eight. Stay safe, stay home, steal the times of it. See you tonight.